DQC is around the corner, and we have a very special anon- uh, announcement by a very special guest. This is Quitcast. Rooms up. So, uh, I have two guests today, uh, Julianne uh, from The Dementors, and our very special guest, uh, Jack Leonard from Quidditch Premier League. Jack, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. Uh, Jack, you uh, you have, like, for the people uh, paying attention to uh, the Quidditch groups, uh, you've had a, a very special announcement uh uh, when we're recording this, it isn't announced yet, but uh, of course, when uh, when it's going live, it is announced. Uh, can you uh, please explain? So, yeah, <laughs> we're very excited. We've uh, announced that in 2019, uh, the Quidditch Premier League will be adding a third division to the two UK divisions we currently have. Uh, and that division is going to be across uh, Central, Western and Northern Europe. We're going to be having a team based out of Paris Lille, uh, Brussels, Amsterdam and Cologne uh, and it's really exciting. I can't wait for everyone to get, uh, to get started and to get involved uh, and hopefully the reaction will be, uh, will be really huge. That sounds amazing. Uh, can you explain what uh, the Quidditch Premier League is right now? So it started out as essentially seeing that there wasn't much going on in Quidditch, uh, at least in the UK, during the summer. Uh, and we wanted to emulate Major League Quidditch in the US and have uh, a professionally branded elite competition that people could really get stuck into, represent a region that they're from or that they have connections to uh, and that they're proud of, uh, and kind of really, really focus the competition on one-day events uh, that are of very high quality. So, you know, we play in stadiums, uh, we do quite a lot of sponsorships, uh, we have quite high-end merchandise, uh, all about kind of adding a bit of glitz and glamour to the sport. Um, and it's evolved beyond that initial remit. Um, it's grown to include more teams. Uh, we added Scotland and Wales uh, last season, this season. And uh, we thought, well, there's a huge appetite for this competition in Europe. Uh, we've got European players travelling over to the UK to take part in it. Why don't we take the league to them. So then it was a case of looking at how we could do that. Uh, Obviously, the European Quidditch landscape is very different to the UK landscape uh, in terms of scheduling, in terms of uh, demands, in terms of uh, what aspects go down well or not. Uh, So it's needed to be a product that's been tailored for this new audience. But I think we've come up with something that uh, will hopefully get everyone very excited. Uh, it means that people can now take part in, in the Quidditch Premier League uh, if they're based in you know more further uh, afield places than just on the UK mainland. That sounds amazing. And you have, uh, um, you have uh, five new teams. Uh, Paris uh, in France. Uh, Lille, is that still in France or is that already in Belgium? I don't know. <laughs> That's Lille in France. Okay, yeah, my geography is really bad. Uh, I I always oh I confuse it with Li, uh, Liège mm. in Belgium, but uh, Lille in France. Then you have Brussels in Belgium, Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and uh, Cologne uh, in uh, in Germany. Um, yes. So since I'm from the Netherlands, I have to play for Amsterdam. No, so you actually touched on something that was a real concern of ours. Uh, ultimately. You're playing across four different countries, uh, and 
that is easier in some ways than traveling around the UK because the transport systems in Europe are much better, but it's still a serious commitment. So we wanted to minimize that and make sure that if you were signing up, it didn't really matter who you ended up with. And for that reason, we've moved away from the geographical catchment areas that we have in our UK divisions. And instead, this season in in Europe coming up, what we'll be doing is trialing uh, a draft system. So if you want to try out for the Quidditch Premier League in Europe, you sign up for at least three of the five teams, but you can try for all five of them. Tryouts are in person or video, and they're all centralised in one location. So that means you don't have to travel ridiculous amounts, you don't have to travel multiple times to try out for multiple teams, and not only that, but it means that you're seeing combinations of players uh, of skill sets that otherwise wouldn't be seen really on the European continent. Uh, and and that means that you, let's say, you're used to playing with the same 10, 15, 20 people and you felt that, okay, I've kind of grown to however far I can get with these people. You now have an amazing opportunity to play with players from France, from Germany, from Belgium, uh, regularly at a high level uh, and in relatively high stakes matches and I think that opportunity is something that will really help you as players uh, and Quidditch as a sport in the regions uh, we're, we're starting in uh, really develop quite quickly. That that sounds amazing, uh, especially because uh, development in the Netherlands is is quite low at the moment. If you see uh, compared to to Belgium, compared to France, compared to Germany, uh, yeah, we're not. Uh, we we just have six teams. Uh, one of which is is playing their first tournament this weekend. Um, it's it's not. Uh, yeah, and our EQC team did not win a single match, so uh, we have never won a single EQC match, I believe, uh, in the entirety of the Q- uh, QNL's existence. Um, but does that mean that there is a chance that no Dutch players will be selected, because also the entire Amsterdam team will be full of Germans and, and Belgians and front, uh, French people? Well, as much as we are mixing things up and making sure that, let's say, you live in, I don't know, Cologne, uh, and you end up getting drafted for the Paris team, um, and we want to make sure that that's accessible and fine, we do want to make sure that there is a sense of belonging uh, and a sense of pride, of of, uh, almost regional attachment. So we're going to be working with our first set of managers when we appoint them towards the end of this calendar year to find out kind of what the right balance is for that, uh, whether we need to put in quotas to make sure that people are representing their home regions uh, as much as we can, or whether we uh, want to depart from that entirely, or whether we just want a quota across all five teams to make sure that somewhere these players are being represented and finding a place, and it's not just a friendship club. But our experience from working with our managers in the UK has been unbelievably positive, uh, and so much so that we've actually rolled out more ambitious plans for things like uh, shared tryouts, for things like secondary teams, uh, for sharing tryout notes, so that managers across the league 
can really pick the best and the brightest uh, out of the people who have applied to the QPL. Uh, so that's something we're very confident will continue when we move into Europe. Uh, it's something we're very excited to kind of work with our managers to find what works for their teams. Uh, and it's something that you'll be hearing a lot more about as we move forward with our plans. That uh, that sounds amazing, and um, the, what I really also liked is is uh, you already have five teams, five names, five logos. Where where did all those ideas come from? So we we have had the idea to launch in Europe. Well, I have for for quite some time, but it's always been a bit of a challenge. You know, as I alluded to, you've got to do a lot of thinking as to whether you know you're you're moving in the right direction and whether you're approaching it in the right way. Uh, a couple of months ago, um, a very good friend of mine who used to who used to work with the Quidditch Premier League, uh, Livia Higgins, came to me with an idea for how to approach Europe. Uh, and once that was the case, uh, we had about two and a half, three months to get this plan in order. And a big part of that was the branding. Uh, branding is really central to everything we do at the QPL. Uh, logos, names, uh, aesthetic, it's all really important. Uh, and having a centralised organisation means that we can really play around with that and do it quite, you know, I, li- I like to think quite well. Um, so we, we got Lizzie Walton back, um, who, who's done all our logos and all our kits, uh, and gave her some ideas. Uh, and as a as a team, we brainstormed for, for things and uh, that, you know, could could potentially go towards names. And after a lot of discussion, we came out with five uh, solid kind of suggestions and solid ideas. And then Lizzie went away and uh, essentially designed the colour schemes and the logos and came back to us for feedback. And as usual, there was very minimal feedback because the logos looked fairly incredible. Um, But it was important for us to launch in Europe with proof of concept. Uh, with the logos, so people could get excited about them then and there. Uh, otherwise, it's just throwing words around. All right, that sounds amazing. So um, I, I can guess that, like, uh, I, I can't see directions in the future, of course, but uh, I assume uh, there will be a mixture of uh, excitement and confusement uh, 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 in the in the chats right now. Um, uh, what would you say to the people who are like, yeah, I mean, sounds awesome, but I don't think I'm good enough, or I don't think I have the time? What What would you like to say to them to convince them to to uh, to apply anyway? So you know, we we brand ourselves as a very high level league, and to some extent we are. But but someone posted in I think it was the UK Quidditch group a while ago, uh, saying, in which ways do you think QPL has changed Quidditch most? And the most common answer was that QPL took me from someone who wasn't confident in my abilities, who had never really played with people outside my home club um, and wouldn't be confident doing that, um, to someone who, you know, is on the radar for the national team. And we're proud to say that a lot of players who weren't on the radar of the national team last year played in QPL in 2017 and are now vying for places on the UK's Florence squad. So it's it's really something that I think people underestimate how good they are um, because they're so used to seeing themselves within their own team or their own NGB or their own rivalries between other clubs or, or whatever it is. 
you get used to seeing yourself in that particular context. But it may be that actually you are exactly the player that one of those teams needs. Or you are exactly the player that complements the players they already have. So all I would say is, go, sign up, try out. You lose absolutely nothing by trying out. You spend a day in, well, we're not entirely sure yet, but probably in the Brussels kind of area. Um, Stay there being coached by really high-level managers who will be assessing your skills and giving you feedback. It's a fantastic opportunity, so please, please take it, even if you're not sure. All right, that sounds amazing. So uh, in the... In the quote you uh, you use and the hashtag you use, I uh, say uh, Europe, you're up. Europe, you're up. I I really like that one. <laughs> it's 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 a tongue twister, but I really like it. Um. Anyway, thank you, Jack. Uh, thank if you. anyone has uh, questions, uh, 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 where can they where can they ask them? Is there a place uh, they can go? Yeah, so you know, our main our main email address is contact at quidditchpremierleague.com. But to be honest, we're pretty chill. Just shoot me over a message on Facebook. Uh, I'd love to help you out, chat to you about the league, chat to you about ideas. Uh, So just DM me on Facebook or shoot our page a message, whichever way suits you. All right. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for uh, clarifying uh, this amazing... uh this amazing new uh, new league coming to the Netherlands uh, and of course Belgium, Germany and France. Uh, Amsterdam Pride it is, uh, of course, because of the yeah the the pride we have with the LGBT community. Uh, it's a lion's paw in the form of a heart. I love it. It's a great logo. And uh, let's um, let's see uh, let's see how good uh, Amsterdam can do. Uh, I uh, I hope they can. Uh, they can do well, unless I get drafted for one of the other teams, of course, because then, you know, <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> anyway, um, we, of course, have another uh, great uh, thing happening uh, this week. Uh, it is, of course, the uh, the, nation, uh, the National Championships, DQC, Dutch Quidditch Championships, uh, in Enschede, in my hometown, uh, where six teams, for the first time ever, six teams uh, will compete in a also for the first time two-day tournament, uh, which yeah shows that also Quidditch in the Netherlands is growing. Um, so a first tournament in Enschede, the first two-day tournament, the first tournament with six teams, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, we just had a live draw with uh, Nick and me uh, uh, determining the pools. Um, and it has been that we have now the pool with the Nargles, the Ravens, and the Werewolves, and the Dementors, the Testrals, and Lumos. Uh, with me is Julianne. Julianne, welcome. Hello, Lars. Hello. So we're uh, we're we're gonna be teammates next year, but this year uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're still uh, mortal enemies, I guess, and um, we're battling each other. Absolutely. In the pool. I I uh, I'm excited for the match. Um but I can't really I can really say that um I'm actually more excited by the other pool. Yeah, I I think it's going to be the more interesting pool. Like sorry to ourselves. Um but I think Nagas versus Ravens is something that got a lot more exciting over the last couple of months and over the season. Yes, really. And, and it's on the live I'm really stream. curious who has the upper hand. 
Um, well, the werewolves can show what they have learned. I think they've improved quite a lot over the season as well. Um, considering that, especially the ravens bring a tiny roster. Yeah, I heard only seven people. They bring seven players. It's going to be pretty hot. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to yeah, hold up. Yeah, I don't think they're going to survive this. If the werewolves play it smart, I think they definitely have a shot, especially now with, with Tom on beating. Is, who's is Tom, been Tom is, playing amazingly. Yeah, but Tom isn't coming as well. Oh, Tom isn't no. coming. Tom, why are you doing this to and me? And also, apparently, uh, to me, at least that's what I've heard. I, I cannot uh, confirm this uh, uh, for certain, but um, I also heard that because uh, uh, the word, the, the, the Wageningen University, um, has a biology field weekend or something like that. I'm not really certain what it is, but uh, and the entire biology fact faculty will be out for the weekend, which is pretty much the entire werewolves. Well, they have a lot of players from molecular life sciences, so I think they should still be fine with a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, but it's, I, I, I've heard that also the werewolves have a big impact in their roster because of this uh, weekend with the biology. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, it's gonna, uh, I really uh, am, yeah, thinking what, what will they bring, uh, to the table, but I've always, like, the werewolves are always those, uh, people, you, you never really think they have a chance of winning the entire thing, but if there is a disruption, if there is a surprise result, it's because the werewolves is winning from one of the better teams, so... Yes, they they have a they have a habit of of upsetting and surprising teams. Um, I recall it from the EQC qualifier when they beat us in our very first game, and we did not expect yeah, that. So and werewolves... I'm pretty sure that threw us off course a bit. Yes, the werewolves beat the Dementors. Uh, the werewolves beat the Ravens before in an upset. Uh, so and I mean the upsets. That's that's where the game's going to be, right? Because if there will be no upset, then I guess either Nargles or Ravens is going to be first in that pool. I guess the Nargles with the roster of the the current roster of the Ravens, meaning that the Nargles will probably uh, go head to head against the Werewolves, which is also always a great uh, a game. Uh, and then the winner of those are going to the Nargles and. The Testrals are probably going to get the Ravens, which I don't like. <laughs> because the yeah, you still have a problem with the Ravens. Um, I don't know why. We have maybe, no maybe now is a good moment to actually overcome those problems. <laughs> it would be. I mean, there is, there is this one thing. Uh, the Testrals have never lost in Enschede, but the Testrals have never won against the Ravens. So... There, there is a great possibility that one of those things is going to happen for, uh, for the first time uh, this weekend. I'm going to take bets on which one it is. Entry is approximately five euro. Just come see me before brooms up at Dutch Cup. All right. So uh, you are going to, to be a bookie? Absolutely. All right. I love it. I've seen a lot of uh, people already uh, expressing their... Um, uh, bats uh, in a chat uh, we're in and I saw a lot of people putting the testrals first uh, which probably means that we're the favorites for winning this and I hope they're right but 
Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't put a fifty-fifty on it. To be, sh- uh, to be honest. No, I think I think you have a good shot. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, teams actually doing really, really well on home turf in the last couple of months. And you are one of the strongest teams that we have in the moment in the Netherlands. So I guess you're coming to win. Otherwise, you know, why would you take that trip of five minutes to actually get to the pitches? Yeah, it's exactly. We could st- we could have stayed a bet. Uh no, um, I, I've heard that the trophy, uh, the trophy has travelled to Enschede, and uh, why? Let's let's not make it have a long way back, right? Uh, I'm not sure if you should have the trophy unless you broke it. I did not break the trophy. <laughs> it might have a couple more scratches now, though. Yeah, okay, but I mean, if you saw how dirty it was because of your move. <laughs> Pretty sure that was not because of the move that was already there beforehand. Oh, right. For the record, though, we did clean it after drinking champagne from it last year. Fair. Oh, I should buy some champagne, just to be sure. Yeah, just make sure when you fill it in the cup and you try to dunk it over Alex, don't miss him. Oh, right. Yeah, but uh, that's that's too bad with champagne. You really want, like, Gatorade for that, right? <laughs> Jack, Jack, what do you do with... Uh... Uh, with QPL. So we actually uh, bought a load of cheap Prosecco and uh, Ah, shook it up and figured that it would look really good in pictures because no one would be able to tell it wasn't champagne. And lo and behold, no one could tell it wasn't champagne. (laughs) And it looks great in all the photos, but it was really cheap. And uh, my clothes stunk of it for about a week afterwards. I I can get that, yes. (laughs) I mean, I think in in the end, it doesn't really matter what exactly is in there, as long as it looks legit on the pictures, and it all tastes the same the moment you drink it out of the cup. The one thing that I wouldn't use if you're interested in keeping your clothes somewhat clean is mustard. From experience, you do not get that shit out of your clothes. (laughs) Like, okay, so uh, there there are several thoughts going uh, through my head right now. Uh, The most prevalent being why... Uh, and and the second most preference being extra scharfe. Zinf. <laughs> I mean, for the why you can probably ask anybody in Germany, really. <laughs> oh, Germans are stupid. It was fun. We will not do the Zenf again. I think <laughs> if we would have done it again, uh, the IQA would ban us from tournaments. And um, I've heard from Jack that's not necessarily fun. Oh, that doesn't. <laughs> That doesn't sound like something the IQA would do. What, banning people from tournaments? No, they're very measured and reasonable. Are, have have you been banned from other tournaments except for EQC? I wasn't banned from EQC. You were banned from the turf? Yeah, I was allowed back in if I wasn't selling. No, um, oh, fair. No, the IQA, the IQA are, are you know, the, they're going to run a great event in Florence. Very excited for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I I uh, I kind of hate the IQA currently with their Florence stuff. I mean, it's so fucking expensive, everything. But I really want to go because I want to play in a World Cup. But you know, it'll be a uh, you know no. I mean, look, there are, there are some people in the IQA who are doing really really good jobs. Uh, you know, you've got you've got Tom Fisk, who's their business development director at the moment. Who is just working really hard on on a lot of great initiatives? Uh, who obviously you know uh, he's also doing our communications as the QPL, 
Um, you've got um, you've got Pauline, uh, who's running their gameplay elements and is is really really making strides in in unifying um, the rules that everyone around the world is using, which you know is one of the biggest challenges facing IGO. But even at board level, you know, you've got people like uh, like uh, Andy Marmer uh, in there who's just had loads of experience um, in in the community and really brings that uh, that eye to the to the table which i think was something that was lacking before so no i, I mean i think i think they're moving in the right direction um as an organization absolutely absolutely agreeing there um even when it comes to finances i know finances is the one topic where everybody is kind of bashing the iqa because that is where you notice uh what what the iqa is doing because they want money for the events that they're doing um but they've really been working. I know that Vanessa and finances there has been working really, really hard on actually getting an oversight of everything that has gone wrong in the last couple of years. Um, so I think they also deserve maybe at least a little bit of trust that they're trying and oh, they no, want to make it better. I, I completely agree um, with that. And actually, yeah. actually, you know, I, I mean, I'm one of the harshest critics of the IQA, not because I hate the IQA, but because I, I mean, I love the IQA. I think the IQA is so vital if we want any forward movement as a sport, uh, I think it is incredibly, incredibly vital. What what frustrates me at the moment really is is actually the national governing bodies um, who, you know, you know, they, they message me every so often, Jack, the IQA have done this, Jack, the IQA have done that. And I say, okay, can I publish this in the Quidditch Post? And they say, no. And I'm like, so why are you telling me? You're just making me annoyed. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I get that. I do. The, the, they're a frustrating organization. They're a frustrating bu- bureaucracy. Uh, all bu- bureaucracies are fairly frustrating. But, but what annoys me is, is the IQ have now turned around and said, well, you know, we need all this money, all this money to run for the next two years so we can do all these important projects that you can't do on your own. Uh, now, now I don't have necessarily an issue with that because, as I said, I think the IQA is necessary and I think it's a vital tool for moving forward. So, so the fact that they're saying uh, we can do things that individual NGBs can't necessarily do, despite the fact that these you know NGBs have been very successful for the last two years when the IQA really hasn't, you know, I, I don't necessarily find that an affront to truth. But what does frustrate me is that NGBs have have you know, publicly kicked up quite a fuss, which is, you know, good to see that they are worried about this, that they take this seriously. And it's good to see that, because it's their members' money, uh, you know, you and I, we're not members of the IQA, apparently. It's the national governing bodies. So the IQA, uh, their new PR line is actually, they're not answerable to the community, but only to the NGBs, which, again, is fine. But that that places a burden on the NGBs, to hold the IQA accountable. And from what I've seen is, if this money isn't well managed, if the event isn't well run, and if the big ambitious plans that the IQA are promising don't come to fruition, then I see very little tangible promises from the NGBs to their members, to people like you, me, and everyone else, that they're actually going to do something, that they're actually going to take action. Because if not, then, well, why bother? Might as well just keep writing angry Facebook comments. But the NGBs have the power to turn around and say, actually, no, this isn't good enough. This needs to be sorted. We need to think of another solution. And the fact that everyone is so unwilling to say, 
yeah, okay, if this doesn't work, here's what we're going to do. And, hey, members, if they've taken our money, which is your money, and misused it, here's how we're going to have your backs. The fact that they're not doing that is, is quite disappointing, I have to say. I think it, it highly depends on, on the different NGBs. Um, we've had a lot of growth internationally in the last one or two years or so. Um, a lot of the NGBs are still rather uncertain about what they're doing and what they can do. Um, <laughs> I mean, which we also see in the Netherlands, yes. <laughs> uh, to 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 to, um, to tell, maybe uh, Jack the the backstory. Yeah. Uh, of course, I mean it's publicly known, right? I'm not that public, so I'm not sure. <laughs> ah, um, well, I mean, I'm I'm not an official Q and L thing. I can do what the. I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bleep it out. Um, uh, but uh, we, the the Dutch teams, because apparently QNL, the members of QNL are also not the members of QNL. We cannot do anything about QNL, but the teams are the members. Uh, but the teams have right now said to QNL, you cannot uh, spend any more money without our permission first, because. Uh, you don't seem to... We can't uh, see what you're doing with our money because you don't account for your money. So, right now, uh, Q&Ls pretty much have their hands tied by the teams, which I think is quite a good thing. Uh, okay, but whether it's a good or a bad thing, that is an example of members of an organization, of a federation, turning around and saying, okay, on behalf of our members, we are turning around and saying you need to sort yourselves out or else we're not going to continue to allow you to run this uh, community or at least run in the way that you have before. And and the fact that there is, there is no contingency plan, seemingly, from leading NGBs, you know, uh, Australia, uh, UK, uh, USQ, Canada, that kind of thing. The fact that they haven't turned around and said, okay, we're going to sit down and actually have a plan for our members so they know that if this does go wrong, we've got contingencies. Because otherwise, people like you and me, who aren't members of the IQA, are trusting the IQA with this money for two years with no contingency plan devised by the people who represent us within that organisation. And I think that's worrying. I think that's one of the first things that, that NGBs should be looking at, is how do we protect the rights and protect the, the privileges of our members within this wider federation. Because if you're going to sign away those purely for the sake of joining this big umbrella entity, then that's going to cause a lot of friction down the line. Yeah, I get that. And uh, But the, the thing, uh, I, I also hear uh, what I hear you say, and I think there's the problem, is uh, when you say, like, the big... Uh, NGBs uh, like USQ and Canada and, and, and uh, uh, Quidditch uh, UK, uh, those NGBs aren't really bothered by by what's going on. To be honest, it's the smaller uh, the smaller NGBs like Denmark, uh, the Netherlands also a bit, and uh, and and those uh, those uh, uh, are uh, those NGBs. Those are most hurt by uh, what's happening but those are also the ones who have uh, little experience little um, uh, little influence uh, uh, little time uh, to 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 focus on on improving iqa instead of improving 
uh, uh, their own NGB, and I think that's where also a bit of a conflict is is coming from. That the the, the NGBs with the power cannot, uh, um, uh, will not uh, do it because they don't really care. I mean, they care a little, of course, but they don't care enough to 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 boycott, for instance, a World Cup. Because that would be like if the if the U.S. would say uh, if the U.S. and Australia and the U.K. Uh, all would say like you know if you're going to do shit like this we're going to boycott uh, uh, this World Cup because we want Denmark to be able to play that's gonna get their attention but if Denmark's like yeah we cannot afford that we're not going to play then IQA is going to be like okay sure by Denmark see you next year that's that's a bit where where it's going coming from, right? Yeah, and I think I think you're not not entirely wrong there. But I think you know it, when, when this whole crisis hit, um, you know, and, and everyone was very upset. I think it was heartening to see that some of the people taking the lead in trying to mediate with the IQA in trying to um, run mentoring sessions to get campaigns uh, going, that kind of thing. I think that was really heartening to see that they were actually from places like Australia uh, and Germany and the UK and that kind of thing. I think it would be a saddening assessment of our community if uh, if we thought that, well, just because it doesn't matter to the big NGBs, it won't matter to the community as a whole. I think that's that's... You know, obviously true to some extent, because uh, it's true in any power dynamic where you have larger and smaller organisations. But I, I, I think it's a, a maybe a bit too damning initially. Um, of course, yeah, I, I'm painting a, a painting a really bad picture here, of course. But it's just saying that, like, uh, for the IQA, IQA doesn't really care if Denmark doesn't play. No. It, it, they they do care if the US doesn't play. Yeah, and I think I think it's. Uh, you know, risk of backfiring because, as as you saw, the the way that the fee waivers and uh, fee discounts was handled was so chaotic. It, you know, and obviously there's a place for common sense approach to fees, saying, okay, well, let's knock this down, let's take that down, but you shouldn't end up bartering with your international governing body uh, and then finding out that you could have got a better deal. Because other people bartered more, you know. I think I think that's really, really sad to see. Um, yeah. Because it's you're now in a situation where the fees, having been hiked up so much to pay for this event in the next two years, now won't have made that much of a difference because so many waivers have been offered and so many discounts have been offered. So why put yourself through the bothering in the first place? Which just seems like. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, there are some larger NGBs that have paid yes, the full fees we that could through. pay the full fees, and that is money that goes in the organization of the tournament that smaller NGBs do not have to pay. And I think that's that's a good thing. Um, the discounts were definitely all over the place and completely intransparent, and that was one mess that Fine, should so be cleared uh, up for the next time. Um, but I think it's 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 definitely a good start to say those NGBs that have the money and that have the opportunities, that have the partners, if they can chip in more so that smaller NGBs don't have to pay as much and can still attend um, yeah, as mean, Team Germany and, manager, and, and I'm all in for I'm that. I'm sure all large NGBs would agree with you. 
Uh, obviously, with a slight caveat for the idea of travel distance, you know, it's one thing for a large MGB like Germany or the UK. US still has a pretty significant travel uh, issue to, to get around and that kind of thing. But, you know, those are things that should have been looked into. And they shouldn't have been looked into three months before the event. And, you know, so so I think as much credit as we want to give the IQA right now, and they are, you know, as we said, as we outlined, doing some really good work, I think it does bear reminding that there is a very good chance that the next two years won't be plain sailing for them, that they will make repeated mistakes. And if that is the case, then, then we do need to actually think, well, what is the best way to, to run this sport internationally? What is the best model for it? Uh, and perhaps look to other leadership if necessary. All right. I so, uh, Jack Leonard, uh, yeah. be president for IQ? <laughs> no. no, I'm very happy with. GPL. I don't think that's going to happen ever. <laughs> no, I, I did uh, almost end up working for the IQA. A while He's going to lead to mutiny one day. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, look, the IQA is a fantastic organization, and I don't think it gets much more prestigious than that. If you, if you did want to volunteer. Um, I, I don't think that's the issue with finding volunteers for the IQA. I think uh, the issue is that there's a really obviously toxic culture that surrounds the organisation. And But, you know, once that's sorted, and I think it will be once they dissolve and recreate the organisation, which is planned for September, I believe, I think you'll start to see a lot more high-level volunteers going into the IQA, which can only be a good thing. Let's hope so. Let's hope uh, they improve. Um Anyway, uh, the QPL, of course, uh, a, a way like s- more streamlined run organization, I believe, uh, is coming to uh, Europe. Uh, DQC is coming up with six teams an entire weekend. Sounds like uh, sounds like a great weekend. I uh, I, um, I hope the trophy will stay in Enschede, of course. But whoever gets the trophy uh, uh, will uh, will can uh, can call themselves Dutch national Quidditch champion for an entire year. And um, apparently there are some uh, thoughts about IQA. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, uh, Julianne. Always a pleasure. And thank you, Jack, for uh, for being here. Thank you so much. And um, I hope uh, to, uh, to uh, that you'll tune in next time where uh, hopefully we'll discuss the results of DQ, uh, DQC. Uh, and I hope to have at least some people from the winning team uh, join me. Um, for now, rooms down. I really want to thank, uh, of course, Jack and Julianne for being my guests, but I also want to have a special thanks to uh, Thijs Engel, who uh, helped me edit this podcast, um, and he offered to do it more often, so uh, that means I have more time to make podcasts, uh, and that means probably more podcasts. So, uh, Thijs, uh, thank you, thank you very much, and... uh, I hope I can uh, can end my next podcast with uh, more thank you, Tysis. Oh, and for the rest, the Tastrals are going to beat you at the DQC.